arms. Again, our opening text was in Luke chapter 12. And we'll start there and we'll jump into the last storm. Luke chapter 12, in verse 54, and it says, And he said also, this is Jesus speaking, to the people, when you see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway you say, there cometh a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, ye say, there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it ye, you do not discern the time? Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? And people can judge a lot of things. They can discern some things, but so many times they struggle when it comes to things in their life. Okay? So we're going to be looking, and I want you to turn to, and we'll get to it in a moment. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. I, I'm not sure I read this last time, two weeks ago, when I, I preached. But uh, it says, after turning 90, Marie found the shopping for Christmas gifts had become too difficult. Does that sound familiar? No. Okay. And I can understand that. I was talking with my brother, my brother's wife today. I stopped to drop off some Christmas goodies for them. And she goes, it's just gotten so hard. I think we're just giving people money this year and stuff, you know. And she's struggling being able to understand certain things because she's going into dementia. But this lady's 90. She found it hard to shop for Christmas gifts, so she decided to send checks to everyone instead. So she wrote each and every one of the cards, buy your own present and mailed them early. She enjoyed the usual flurry with family festivities. Only after Christmas did she get around to clearing off her cluttered desk, and there in a stack of papers, she was horrified to find all the checks that she'd forgotten to put in her gift cards. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do, okay? A young woman teacher who was an obvious liberal uh, explains to her class of small children that she is an atheist. So she asked her class if they are atheists too, and not really knowing what an atheist, atheism is, but wanting to be and to please their teacher, they, their hands exploded into the air like fleshly fireworks. There was, however, one exception, a beautiful little girl named Lucy, who did not go along with the crowd. The teacher asked her why she decided to be different, and she said, because I'm not an atheist. Then asked the teacher, what are you? I'm a Christian. The teacher is a little perturbed now, her face slightly red. She asked Lucy why she is a Christian. Well, I was brought up knowing and loving Jesus. My mom is a Christian. My dad is a Christian. I'm a Christian. The teacher is now very angry. She said, that's no reason, she says loudly. She says, what if your mom was an idiot and your dad was an idiot? What would you be then? And Lucy paused, she paused, smiled, and said, then I'd be an atheist. Okay, now we said the first message we preached on discerning the storms is stirring a storm up. And we're not going to re-preach the message. You want to, if you don't remember, go back and listen on the, the website because they're, they're listed there. So he had stirring the storm and what Jonah did. He brought the storm and it caused effects in other people's lives because he didn't go and do what God would have him to do. The second message was stilling the storm. And that's through God's power, because sometimes our faith is tested before God intervenes, so Jesus can still the storm. Remember, we, I can remember when uh, 
Pastor Kenny's dad, Bill, was the choir director, and we sang, uh, Master, the tempest is raging. Okay, and that's based off that passage where Jesus said, Peace, be still. And tonight we're going to see standing in the storm. So in Acts chapter 27, this is an account of the Apostle Paul standing in the storm because sometimes you need to stand to save others from the storm. Amen? Acts 27 and verse 14, But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called a Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up in the wind, we let her drive. <laughs> I will not go there with letting her drive. I want you to know, it's safer. I'll let her drive tomorrow a lot, okay? And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake set, uh, struck set, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And on the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tacking of the ship. They're getting rid of everything on there to keep that ship afloat. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not lose from Crete. I say to people all the time, Pastor Kenyon, he's doing the same thing. It's, I don't want to be right, but if you continue, this is where it's going to go. And this, the Apostle Paul says, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete and have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So what is he telling them? They're all going to what? Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. It shall be even as it was told me. See, because Paul's a prisoner. Okay? Know ye not, ye are not of yourselves. Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God, glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are his. You don't belong to yourself. You're a prisoner of God. And we're going to see this. I want you to look at Ephesians. We're going to come back to Acts 27. We're just going to go quick. But Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Okay, you, chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where ye are called. Okay, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. See, we're prisoners of Jesus Christ, prisoners of the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.8 be, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Paul understood 
that his life was not his own. And he was a willing prisoner to that. And what does that mean? I was talking with somebody who was struggling and I said, if you go to prison, you need to know. You don't choose when you eat. You don't choose what you eat. You don't choose what you wear, even down to the color of the underwear you put on. They tell you when to get up. They tell you when to go to bed. They tell you what you can do. They tell you what you can't do. If you back talk to them, you are shackled and put in isolation. That's being a prisoner. You know what it comes down to? Your life is not your own. You don't want to be a prisoner to the government? Obey God's word, because it says obey all the what? Ordinances of man. See, but Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. His life, his work, his direction, they were all God's choices and not his. So he was a prisoner in a storm that he had warned others about. Do you know that when people are going through storms, if you're a prisoner of God, you will tell them, to the best of your knowledge, about that storm? About that storm? Do you know what happens? Stand, there, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. You're free from the world, right? Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Verse 13, for brethren, you've been called unto liberty. You're free in the world, but only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. He said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. If you're here tonight and you're saved, your life is not your own. Your marriage is not your own. I was meeting with people. I've been, I get recommended to other people, and I ended up doing things on Google Meet. I've done it for people in New Zealand. I'm doing it for people in this state and other places. I do Skype. If that's what they have, I, I do um, FaceTime, and I do Google Meet, and I meet with people, and we go over different things, and I'm trying to give them scripture. When they run into it, I said, get them to talk about where they are right now, what they're going through, what the problem is, and then help them to see God's answer. And I'm working with a couple whose marriage was in trouble, and now it's turning around. And we're looking at what a biblical marriage is, and that's such a blessing. Okay, I love being able to do that. You know, your marriage is not your own. If you're not married, the choice of who you marry is not your own. It'll protect you if you let God help you choose that. Your children are not your own. Your ministry, your work, etc., 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 are not your own. They belong to God. Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. See, Paul had no say in the direction he was going. Look at verse 9. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because of the, the fast, 
was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only in the lading of the ship, but also our lives. See, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master, that's the master of the ship, and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And you turn around and you witness to somebody and you wonder why they don't listen to you. Because it's a voice they don't know. They don't have the Holy Spirit showing them the sense of what God says. It talks about people being taken captive at Satan's will. Captive, not captain, captive at Satan's will. They don't understand, so they listen to the, the captain of the ship, the owner of the ship, and not to Paul, who was speaking with them with what God had revealed to him. You know what we're supposed to tell other people about? What God has revealed. Thus it is written. Okay, that's the safe place. But he had no say in the direction, so they went the other way. Now, the other people's decisions can bring storms into your life. Verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose, losing thence, they sailed close by Crete. They were heading into the bad weather season and they didn't listen, but it seemed, the circumstances seemed commodious. That's a Bible word, okay? But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon, and when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive, and running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat. See what's happening to this. He's in danger. Now, when we looked at stilling the storm, and the people were all upset when we looked at that one, Jesus was asleep in the boat. Because when Jesus is there, there's nothing to fear. No one was sleeping in this boat. Do you understand that? They were fighting for their lives. No one was sleeping. And all of their men, man's reactions couldn't save them. You see what's happening? They tossed in the tempest. They threw everything overboard except the people. And then they were about ready to kill all the prisoners. If you read this story, okay, by the end of this coming year, I've gone through my Bible 300 times. And he shows something new every time. All right, do you understand what I'm saying to you with this? The sun and the stars didn't show for many days. It was such a stormy time. I pray a lot for the Suttons. Because you know right now, you know what they're living in? One hour of sunset. Darkness, an hour of sunset, sunrise, sunset, and then darkness. They got a whole month of that. You know how depressing that can be? Okay. Now, these people are afraid. They just lost all their financial gain. The prisoners are now figuring, okay, if anybody's going to die, they don't want them getting free. It's going to be us. So everybody's despairing of life, and it's dark. You know what happens many times when a storm comes? The circumstances around you makes you feel that it's what? Dark. It's dark. Look at verse 21. 
But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, again, reminding them, and not lose from creed and have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Why? Because he'd been praying. For there stood, there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but the ship. I wonder if they're going to listen to him and believe him this time. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. You know what he was? He was the one who was praying. They're all trying to fight it in the reaction of their own strength. We've got to do something. Got to do something. It just seems so despairing, desolate, dangerous, and dark. Paul stood in the storm by being on his face before God. And God revealed truth to him. You know, sometimes, you know what sometimes your prayer life needs to be? Hear my Lord. I'm just waiting, you tell me. They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He waited on God. That's sometimes, that's what your prayer life needs to be. Everybody thinks prayer is always you telling God. Sometimes you're waiting to hear from God. You know what you need to be doing when you're doing that? looking at your book, at the Bible. Let God speak to you. God, what do you have for me? God, how would you have me to handle this? Lord, what would thou have me to do? Don't react. Respond biblically. And the first thing we're told to do, once we put on the whole armor of God and we're, we recognize we're in a spiritual battle, Paul says, praying with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Hmm? Praying. He was the only one praying. You know what he was then in verse 24 and 25? Saying, fear not, Paul. This is what the angel told him. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe what? I believe God, and it shall be even as it was told me. He was a witness of God's grace. He was standing in the storm, a witness of God's grace. You know what you need to do sometimes when other people are in a storm? You need to be a witness of God's grace. I love it when people give answers to their prayer requests. You know what it does? It helps build the faith of someone else waiting on God. Maybe they're going through a storm. So when God answers your prayers, you need to let people know. It's not a case that you should feel, oh, well, maybe you think I'm bragging. No. We need to brag on God. And he was witness of God's grace. He did. Guess what happened? <laughs> Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island, and when the fourteenth night was come, that's how long in the dark, as we were driven up and down in, in Adria, at about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it twenty fathoms. 
and they'd gone a little further, sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. And fearing that we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under the color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said unto the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. You see what's going on here? The storm got worse. You know what happens so many times? Sometimes you need to stand in a storm to help bring the lost to Christ. Sometimes you need to stand in the storm to help those who are saved but are weak in their faith to have someone to turn to to know what God says. Amen? Amen, because the storm gets worse. You know what happens through the years as a pastor? I can remember Pastor Christian talking about that. He says, you're going to see a lot of people make professions. You're going to see people get saved. But if they don't grow in the Lord, they don't learn to love his book and love their Savior, when times get hard, the circumstances will take them away. Amongst professing Christians, it's horrible if you do the research, and I'm not giving you the statistic tonight, of professing Christians who take their lives because the storm seems so hard on them. Saved people who lose sight because of the circumstance not looking at the Savior. They failed to remember that they were prisoners of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see them one day in glory, but it happens too many times. Things don't go quite the way they think they should. Sometimes horrible health conditions come in place. You know, if people didn't despair of life, there would have been no reason for Dr. Death. I don't know, you know, Dr. Kevorkian. Assisted suicide and things like that. To me, while there is life, while there is breath, there is hope. So Paul leads them. And you know what he's telling them? When a storm comes, stay in the boat. Okay? When the storm comes, stay in the book. Stay with those of like precious faith, because the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Stay in the boat. You know, Paul leads them, okay? He stood in the storm, saved their lives. You know what that means? Your pastor prays about his messages. Are you listening to what God wants to say to you through those messages? Well, I don't know. He's offended me. Well, I've offended people through the years. Didn't change the truth of what God said. So listen to God's man. Just make sure he is God's man. If he tries to take you contrary to God's word, he's not God's man. He's in a popularity contest. I don't mean to be offensive when I say if I offend you, I don't care. I mean to say, I've got to please God to be able to help you. Amen? So he turns around, he stands in the storm. Okay? And he tells them, and they listen to him this time. And what happened with that? 
Look at verse 37. In all that were in the ship were 200, threescore and 16 souls. 276 people were saved from death because one man stood and gave out what God said. Yeah, but they may not like me. I don't care. Do you think God cares that they like you? No. He wants them to glorify him. He wants to save them. He wants to keep them from what will cost them. World, the world takes. Satan does not give. He takes. God's love gives. So 276 souls, that's 200. Three score, that's 60. And 16, that's 276. I, I can do the math. Okay? You with me, Derek? We had a conversation about math earlier today. <laughs> okay. They all escaped the storm. Now, did it cost them something? Yeah. When you go where God tells you not to go, it generally costs you something. But you know what the good thing is? They're still living. They're still alive. You read the story after that, you know what you find out? Some of them listened to Paul. Okay? Lives were transformed because one man stood. Sometimes you stir up a storm. Sometimes the storm needs to be stilled by Jesus and he waits until you depend upon him. And sometimes he says, you belong to me, you stand for me. And you've got to stand in the storm. And you never know who that will affect later on. You just don't know who it will reach, where it will put you. Because God's servant said, I being in the way of the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. You never know where God's going to lead you. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Good night and God bless. And Merry Christmas.